And one story that always kind of captures my imagination. The streets lost culture. <laughs> and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Hello, dear listeners. It's Hiba. And this is Kerning Cultures, radio documentaries from the Middle East. I cannot wait for you to hear some of the stories that we have lined up for you over the next few weeks. At the end of this month, we're doing a story about a Lebanese man who made it his mission to visit every city in America named Lebanon. And along this epic road trip, he made an unexpected discovery involving a mistaken identity of a tree. Next, we're lining up our first Arabic episode, a story reported in Palestine by producer Shahid, whom you'll remember from the episode Her Side of the Story. Today, we're kicking 2019 off with an oldie but goodie, a favorite from one of our earliest episodes that newer listeners may not have heard and you lovely veteran listeners can enjoy as a trip down memory lane. Actually, a trip down this one particular street in Beirut, Hamra. This is producer Dana Balut. It's hard to miss this beautiful woman with a ponytail rising up from a popping bright red background and a warm smile staring over the city. Behind her is this white halo of calligraphy. And at night, she's beaming. And I mean that literally. There are beaming lights making sure you see her, competing with all the rest of the neon lights on the street, of stores, cafes, bars, and restaurants. This. This is Beirut's Hamra Street. It's crowded, chaotic, and here you need to work for people's attention. Unless you're this woman, Sabah, the iconic Lebanese singer, painted along a massive wall by this artist you're about to meet. Today, we're going to share with you two stories. One of a historic Beirut street and the other of an incredible local artist who's trying to reclaim the street's lost culture by a 26 by 12 meter mural. My name is Azan Halwani. I'm a street artist from Beirut, uh, and I have been doing street art for the last uh, seven, eight years. I did a degree in computer and communication engineering because I liked it. I I really like physics and math, especially physics. Math, not so much. Most of the copy books I used to have during my time when I was doing completing my degree in engineering had calligraphy all over the margin and sometimes on all over the very page so I had to skip a few pages, you know. Every second of the day I'm thinking about something related, you know. Uh, I might not be painting, but I might be kind of scribbling, saying, oh, this is a nice uh, sentence or this is a nice concept. Maybe I should develop this to become... So maybe I'm reading something and I notice, okay, this is an interesting concept to be applied on the street. So when you think of graffiti, at least I do, I often associate it with vandalism, so defamation of a building. But Yezan's art, and this mural in particular, it's different. You'll walk by it, you'll notice it, you'll notice other people noticing it, admire it, but somehow it feels like it's always been there, like it just belongs. What I do is I choose a big wall and I start talking to people. What was their lives before the wall? What does the location mean to them? What's the history of that place? And they tell me 
They start telling me very nostalgic stories about Hamra before the Lebanese Civil War. They would always tell me about this thing where Hamra was kind of a cultural hub for the Arab world, and they're very nostalgic, and they would tell you about the cinemas of Hamra and the theaters. I mean, it was like a strip of cinemas, which was pretty amazing. This is Maria. I'm Maria Abu Nasser. Maria does something really special. She works on the oral history of Ras Beirut, which is the main area of Beirut. And what she does is ask people about their memories of a particular street or location, people that have been there for decades. And through their memories, their old pictures and stories, she'll reconstruct the history of that particular street and eventually of the city before it gets lost forever. Oh, and she was also my history teacher in high school. Hamra is, I mean, it, it seemed like it was a really amazingly vibrant place. When, when they do talk about it as being a cultural hub, what they credit it to, many of them, for the most part, credit it to the establishment of, well, to, to, the, bring, to the influx of Palestinians who were escaping um, Israel, and that they were bringing their, their know-how and their business savvy with them from commercial centers such as Haifa, and bringing it to Ras Beirut, many of the, the local businesses who first established themselves established themselves on Hamra Street. And one story that always kind of captures my imagination, at the Hamra Cinema, there was um, a film that was being premiered there. I, I'm not exactly sure that was called The Golden Cadillac. Okay, so I looked up this film, and it's actually called The Solid Gold Cadillac, and it's from 1956. It has 7.6 rating on IMDb if you're interested. The opening night, okay, President Shamoun was supposed to be there with his wife, you know, it was all this gala glitzy thing, and the actual Cadillac that was in the film was parked outside of the Hamra uh, cinema. So, you know, you're, you watch the film and there's the Cadillac, and apparently the star, who was like this blonde, I don't know what, you know, American actor, was in the back of this convertible golden Cadillac. So it was all of this idea that two different people told me about. I mean, they're both going, oh, do you remember that moment when the golden Cadillac, you know, it was unbelievable. You know, these actors would come here. So that's kind of one thing that definitely just really um, captivates me is that, that scene of, you know, glamour and glitz. And, you know, people would, would go to the movies and eat. At Horseshoe Restaurant was, again, a major, major landmark on Hamra Street. This Horseshoe Cafe that Maria is talking about is key for Hamra, but also our history. Because remember Yazen's 26 by 12 meter mural of Sabah we were talking about earlier? It's painted along the wall of this cafe, which now is a Costa Coffee. But back then in the 1960s and 70s, it was frequented by a lot of Lebanese and Arab artists. It was also an intellectual hub, you know, so journalists would meet there and, um, you know, it was just a place for everybody to be seen and be seen. You had Nizara Kabani who used to sit in this cafe under, the, under this wall. You had uh, Paul Gilagosian who's a very famous Armenian painter. You had uh, Mahmoud Darwish who was at the same time in Hamra at some point uh, during his life. So, so many kind of people that became kind of the biggest philosophers or the biggest poets of the Arab world, an era I, never, I have never seen. And they would, after that, tell you that currently Hamra is becoming, after the Lebanese war, it became more of a commercial place where we had big uh, clothing stores and everything. Well, I think definitely the war has shabified it, you know, it's, and it was much worse um, 20 years ago than it is now. 
I mean, now I, you know, I think it's 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 definitely not what I can imagine it used to be. But I still think it has a really strong character, and I still think it it still has like um, uh, some sort of like a what's the right word like. <laughs> there's that terrible shop on the street there it's called shabby chic right i mean it still has this it still maintains its dignity it still has a presence as a street it was automatic that after discussing and showing pictures to people that the, the portrait that i would paint next is someone that would kind of capture back this this uh, lost past of hamra it was definitely Sabah, with her big smile, looking at, uh, l- looking away and everything. And I said, okay, she could be looking at way at Hamra, kind of looking at its past. And after just discussing with people, I said, okay, we're going to paint Sabah, that's it. And it was, I think, the, the most successful choice because people really appreciated her existence. And plus, what I really like about her is the fact that she was not a really very common figure uh, in society. She was kind of a Lady Gaga, the real Lady Gaga, let's say. <laughs> uh, she used to, in a very conservative society, especially back then, she used to dress in a, a very non, uh, non-conservative way. She married, I think, around seven times, especially when she was more than 60 years old. She was a person that sang well into her 70s and 80s. And people used to criticize her all the time about that, and she did not care. And I think she kind of changed what, the dogmas of society. There's something that is indirect and the people do not appreciate her enough for that. I wonder, Yezin, how politics play a role in your arts. Lebanon is a highly political country and so are its people. So do you ever feel like politics played a role in your particular art? Actually, what I... Um when I was doing this graffiti, I used to always have to kind of remove the, these uh, politicians' posters from the elections back when we used to have elections in Lebanon. <laughs> it was a very lengthy process. And every time maybe you were painting in a street where you had kind of an office for a political party, they would send kind of their, what I call goons, you know, and people who would tell you, what are you doing? You know, they would ask you kind of these intrusive questions just to say, you know, we're here. And I noticed that people kind of feel that this area, you know, you can't paint in Hamra, you know, it's for the uh, Syrian Nationalist Party. Or you can't paint in, I don't know where, because it's for Tayyar al-Mustabar or Hezbollah, or I don't know what. So I said, okay, fine, let's do things a bit differently. I want kind of to oppose their presence with something that everybody does agree on, to replace the politicians that we used to find on posters in the street and kind of reclaiming the streets and defining our city we're using cultural icons that kind of uh, define Lebanese culture. And who do you think defines our culture? People, people that kind of uh, define the streets of Beirut or the streets of Lebanon or Arabs in general. Uh, but also some people that are completely might be unknown, like for example a homeless man called Ali Abdullah who used to live facing the American University of Beirut, who everybody who has been living there for around 20 years, who had an amazing English accent for some reason and no one knew why. And some legends used to say that he was a guy that was a, a professor at the, at the university and uh, who became crazy during the Lebanese Civil War and has since been in the streets. And unfortunately, he died uh, from the cold in the winter two years ago. So I wanted to, what I wanted to do is just commemorate his existence with a wall. At one point, there was a Lebanese taxi who had a kind of a broken down car who stopped and told me, uh, I want to talk to you. And I told him, okay, what's up? And he told me, look, look, man, I don't have a lot to offer you. I have this car, which is kind of broken, as you can see. 
you know, um, uh, I don't make that much money, but I saw what you're doing and it really touched me. I used to see that man and I was really about to cry. I've been looking at you for 10 minutes. Uh, what I can offer you is kind of a ride. If you want to go anywhere in Lebanon to kind of uh, uh, paint anyone, I'm ready to help you. And I find, found this touching, really touching coming from this man, especially because this man who had maybe not a lot, who I could see that his car was going to break down and was barely standing, was want, wanting to help, kind of help the effort or give from the little he had to kind of help someone else. And I thanked him for that. It was kind of, I, I always say this is kind of the nicest compliment to my work that I have ever received. I think it also changes the relationship with what a wall can be. You know, before a wall was kind of just a wall and now it's kind of a diary where when they open it or when they see it, it evokes kind of memories. And I think uh, this is uh, kind of the point. What's amazing is Yezen's work is so well received across generations. And in a country like Lebanon, with 18 different religious sects, political deadlock, a vacant presidential seat for over a year, near consensus on anything is pretty rare. But that doesn't mean that people don't have opinions. You'd be surprised by when you put something in the street how much people care about it, you know? When I was painting, for example, the Sabah, someone told me, I had not finished it, told me, you know, uh, although it, it, was, it looked good uh, from, from far, he told me, you know, the, the teeth are, are wrong. And I was looking and, and I had indeed had too much shading on the teeth, so it looked like there was, they were kind of dirty. And it was just a guy who was just sitting uh, facing the wall. Sometimes people scribbled stuff on it. The first time I actually removed them myself, because someone called me and told me, look, Yazan, someone scribbled on the face, we want you to fix it. This is about another mural of Yazan's, of Feirouz, another iconic Lebanese singer. I did not have any idea who that person was, but I did it because I, f- I found that someone like living near the wall, taking ownership of it, was something very interesting. Next time, someone scribbled above it, and they actually fixed it. They repainted the background just to remove that. So people have kind of a sense of ownership of, of that wall. I mean, I think Yesen's mural is, it, it really stands out, where everything around is kind of gray and concrete and dilapidated or, you know, just mono, monotonous. But then his mural, this vibrant purple and white composition that is, um, is stellar in the way it stands out. I think it's, we, we need more of that to, you know, make Hamra colorful again and... Uh, you know, give it, give it its, its, its personal history, too. I mean, it's nice that he's also using very local subjects, like Sabah, um, who had personalities that graced that street, you know. So giving a street its, its, its people is important as people giving themselves to the street. Uh, when I take a service and uh, ask him about the mural, uh, without telling him who I am, they seem so confused about this thing that's coming up on the walls. And I love that, you know. What are some of the reactions? People were so perplexed by the fact that I would paint a mural with no benefit to myself. Uh, they would ask me, oh, why are you, it's, it's a municipality that's paying you, right? I told them, no. They said, oh, okay, it's an NGO that's paying you or a company. I told them, no, I'm paying from my own. And they would tell me, oh, so you're on a Sunday under the sun, paying from your own money to paint a wall that's not yours? I told them, yes, I'm doing that. They told me, I think, I think you're crazy. I told them, no, because if actually each one of us did that, uh, the city would kind of recover from the civil war, from these traces very quickly. And I say, it makes sense, but it doesn't work in practice. Uh, I told them, fine, but, you know, I'm crazy. <laughs>
This episode was produced by Dana Balut with editorial support from me, Hiba Fisher, and sound design by Ramzi Bashur. Next up on KC at the end of January, a story about the many towns in America named Lebanon. Here's a quick teaser. I went to South Dakota, Lebanon, South Dakota, and it was the librarian who told me, go ask for Hazel in the Long Branch Saloon. This could be like a line out of a movie, seriously. So I went in and went to the Long Branch Saloon. It's all wood on the inside. You know, it looks like it, it was built a long, long time ago. It had a pool table, it had a jukebox, and a lot of photographs behind the bar and, and all that. And Hazel is the bartender, and she's in her 70s. I sat in and I was talking to her and she said, what were you from? And I said, from Lebanon. And as I said Lebanon, her eyes just lit up. And she said, well, you got to get out of the bar now and go across the street until you find a tree and you'll know what I'm talking about, which I did. And that's where they had a huge sign that says Cedar of Lebanon, gift from the country of Lebanon to Lebanon, South Dakota. And there was a big tree next to it. And it was not a cedar tree. It was a juniper tree. This is where the story gets interesting. <laughs>